Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, and more love. More love. It's amazing. We have an amazing guest this week. Julia Gordon Bramer is here. She has been immersed in tarot for over 45 years. It's a huge part of her life. She wrote a book called Tarot Life Lessons. Living Wisdom from the Major Arcana, where she talks about the meanings of these cards and so much more. And we're going to talk to her in just a second. But first, I need you to do something for me. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us so you know exactly what is going on in real time. You get those notifications when we have these amazing guests. All of our guests are so incredible. When we have these guests, you know immediately. And lastly, tell a friend. Tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts. You know what we're putting out there if you're a longtime listener. You know the guests that we've had. You know how beautiful this all is. Bring people here. Help people find this place. Midnightonearth.com. Okay. So <laughs> almost ready to talk to Julia, but we have to read her bio. So here we go. Julia Gordon Bramer is a professional tarot card reader, award-winning writer and poet, Sylvia Plath scholar, former professor for the graduate writing program at Lindenwood University and host of the radio show, videocast and podcast Mystic Fix. She has appeared on MTV, Nickelodeon, and many television and radio shows to share her tarot talents and scholarship. Recognized as one of St. Louis's top 10 psychics and St. Louis's best fortune teller, she is also the author of several books, which we'll talk about at the end, and she currently lives in St. Louis, Missouri. And by the grace of the divine and everything magical and wonderful, she is here with us today. Hello, Julia. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Look, we have listeners from all over the world and all age demographics, including people that are new to this information. They're new to this spiritual information, this high frequency information, all of it. How would you describe tarot to someone that has never really been exposed to it before? Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, I compare it to dream analysis. So if someone, if, well, you know, we've all had dreams, of course, and, uh, and, and they all seem very random and weird, but if you've ever done any dream analysis and, and you really look at that dream and you look at, uh, you know, what things may symbolize and, and how this dream might be expressing something going on in your subconscious, maybe a fear or, uh, or, or a situation that you're expecting, or, you know, we, we can do a, a, a 
translation, you might say, of that dream and apply it to your life and, and oftentimes find some wisdom in that. And tarot is very similar. So the cards have all of these symbols that apply across every culture. Um, you know, every every culture knows the mother figure, the father figure, the lovers, the warrior, the wise man, uh, money, you know, um, uh, uh, the martyr or the scapegoat, um, the devil, you know, we all have this sort of evil kind of symbol, uh, tragedy with, with something like the tower. And, uh, and so the tarot has a card for all of these things, um, what I just uh, referred to there, that would be called the major arcana, which is sort of what my book is loosely based on. Uh, the minor arcana is the more day-to-day -day things, and, and we can talk about that in a little more detail if you want. Oh, of course. Yes, we're definitely going to talk about that. But <laughs> divination, it's a form uh -huh. of divination, right? But It can be. It doesn't have to be. I, I I choose. You know, it's funny when you when you read my bio and you say I'm St. Louis's um, best fortune teller. I always kind of go, you know. Well, it was <laughs> someone else's rating. It was CBS Radio. If, if I yeah, could read yeah, this. it's it's a little. <laughs> cringy, you know, um, be, because that feels so Madam Cleo or, you know, or right. the, the the robot doll in the box at the carnival with the cards. You Zoltar, know? Zoltar. And, yeah, Zoltar, right. And, and and I am not Zoltar and I am not Madam Cleo. But what I do believe is that uh, when I am connecting with someone I'm reading for, um, I do call it a connection um, of spirit, of life. Um, you know, I, I call that life force God. I, I don't tell people how to do God, what to call God, but but we're sharing that just by being alive. And so I am reflecting your higher self and kind of what you already know and maybe what you don't know, but where your energy is going. And so I'm showing you what's coming up for you and giving you the opportunity to change it if you're not happy with that direction. I do think we all know essentially where we're going uh, on some level and, and I'm bringing it to consciousness. <laughs> so it's a portal. It's a pathway, a conduit to our higher self where absolutely information yeah. is quantum, right? It's outside of time. It already knows what's happening, your life story, where you're going, your next 20 lives and everything, because right. it's above all of that. But how does it function? Who designed this? It, it definitely <laughs> yeah, works. That's the question. It definitely works. I mean, my God, you talk yeah. about in your book, the various cultures, various uh, leaders in psychology, everyone of intelligence understands that right. this is real, but who designed this? I mean, the cards, the randomness, whoa. Yeah, well, so the actual design, um, you know, the first tarot deck that we know of uh, surfaced in the 1400s and the lore behind it, and I do say lore because the tarot scholars will get really nasty about what is factual evidence and what is just the, the story. So, so the story goes um, that it was during, you know, the 1400s was during the Crusades and the Catholic Church was the government. And they had very strict 
uh, rules with sometimes even fatal punishments for going outside the church and the laws. (laughs) And so um, just being Jewish could get you killed. Um, The Romanis, um, you know, the known by the term the gypsies, which isn't so politically correct anymore, but the Romanis supposedly took these symbols, um, which are based on on Kabbalah, on ancient Jewish mysticism. And uh, and if you, if you look up, you can look up online and see how the tarot deck aligns with the Kabbalah tree of life. And there is a card for every station and pathway in, in the entire tree. And it's a perfect fit. It's really cool. But um, so if you, Kabbalah is a whole other avenue, of course. But if you, um, it, in the story, um, they put all of these symbols, all of these archetypes, um, all of this meaning, including numerology, including alchemy, including mythology, and they wove it all into these pictures and, and symbols. And, and so every card is like loaded with meaning. And then they took it through Europe and disguised it as a card game. So they are said the royals played Tarok and Taroki, depending on uh, where you were in Europe and what you might call it. Um, which is a card game, and some people still play it, but these cards did a lot more. Um, they carried a lot more weight, you know, and um, and uh. held a lot of symbolism to really smuggle the secrets throughout Europe. Wow. So the mystery schools, the Romani mystery schools, consolidated this information to preserve it and save it as best as they could Right. With this force, this oppressive force clamping down on these ancestral teachings, you could say. It, it goes back sure. to time immemorial. But then something had to happen, though, to unlock the magic of it. Sure, the symbolism is there, but to have it be a pathway like that, what was yeah. the next step that really gave it those magical qualities? Well, you know, that that's the God element. I think, you know, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I always say um, I can give you a lot of explanation. I can lay down your cards and I can talk about, you know, the archetypes and all the symbolism and how the famous psychologist Carl Jung used tarot. And, you know, and there's all this sort of knowledge behind it and, and wisdom. But how you get the exact right cards to fall in the exact right place, that's the God thing, you know. And um, because I can't control that, um, each card, whether it's right side up or, you know, upside down, has a different meaning. Um, and so we are um, there. There is that unexplained element of it. Right. The chance, the mathematics, the quantum aspect that allows for consciousness itself, God, to come in and communicate with you through that placement, through the order right. of how it shows up for you personally. Why is this been demonized over the centuries? Now, it seems mm-hmm. like if it's a pathway to help people grow, to mature, to do better, which, which is what it seems like the intention is, why would this be oppressed? Is it because it's a power thing? Like the, the church needed yeah. to have the power. Well, you know, it gets lumped in with fortune telling. And that's when I get back to kind of cringing at being <laughs> the fortune teller. Um, and that's, again, the Bible that's considered um, sinful. Uh, you know, one of the things to avoid. Now, 
I, I believe, I guess I can't be sure of this, but I think that's an Old Testament thing. And so there's a lot that changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But even if it's not, um, what I like to, I was just talking on Twitter this morning to someone about this or X now. And, um, and he was believing that this was, um, you know, a cult, satanic. I mean, it is a cult in the way that a cult means hidden. Like the moon has occult positions that we don't see all of it, you know. And so um, a cult is not for the masses. And so in that way, tarot is definitely a cult. Um, it is paranormal in the way that it's not quite explainable, you know, and there is this spirit element to it. But, you know, just to give you an idea of of how I begin, I mean, I sit down with my client and I say a prayer to God asking to be a channel of love and light and to give this person who I know, you know, spirit loves so much to give you the important information that you need for that day. So, you know, where is the conjuring? Where is the demon? Uh, that to me, I, you know, I, I think I have a basically Christian background. And right. while I'm not a traditional Christian in many ways, um, you know, maybe a, a little bit out of the ordinary and, you know, I'm not cut from, you know, the same cloth, but um, but certainly I am, you know, about love and light and I'm not calling up, you know, evil spirits. This isn't a Ouija board. A lot of people confuse it with a Ouija board. I was going to say that actually, you pulled that out of my mind. Yes. The people yeah. do confuse that and people have had strange experiences with Ouija boards. So and then they lump it what, together. Um, that's what this guy on, on Twitter said to me this morning. He, he was equating the two. And I, I always say, you know, as far as, as far as Ouija boards go, um, I have had people who claim to be like Ouija board masters, you know, like it's just like perfect for them. And I've had them come over and do it with me. And my joke is that the Ouija board doesn't believe in me. <laughs> and, and I say that because it has never worked ever. And I believe that that's because I'm not open to any energies. I think it probably does work to people who are just open to whatever. Right. Um, but I, I have an agenda of love and light, and I want to be a, a light in this very dark time in our world. Uh, you know, I want to be one of the change makers and one of the healers. And I'm not open to, you know, whatever nefarious spirit uh, might be traveling by. Yeah, your, your <laughs> vibration's too high. Your vibration's too high. These yeah. lower astral entities, they can't even mess with you because they can't even get close to your high vibration. Right. And these people that exactly. are experimenting, who knows where they're, they're at in their path on life. And, you know, maybe they're not there right. yet. So then they do get messed with by some of these entities. But I will say, yeah. no, I've never, I've been immersed in this information for not as long as you, but definitely a good chunk of time. And I, I don't think I've ever, ever heard of anyone being possessed by a tarot reading being encountering entities <laughs> right, right. <laughs> encountering entities positive or negative it's really just about the information yeah yeah exactly and do you think it taps into like the akashic records but because it's so personal or is there some sort of angelic force some living guidance that's kind of uh, allowing that information to come through you know, um, so the Akashic Records is is something that I didn't know 
anything about for most of my life. I mean, really, I don't think I even heard the term until like 10 years ago. Okay. Seriously. So, so to me, that's not even in my paradigm. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I mean, I, I would, I think the Akashic records is probably Carl Jung's collective unconscious, you know, that we're just all, you know, all the store of, of everything we all know and, and have known and will know. And, um, so, so we have our different terms and our different brands for things. Um, what I was, uh, let's see, where was I going? Your, what your question was what, where it's coming from, where the knowledge. Yeah. Is, is from? it the Akashic records or is it like God and the angel, like your spirit guides, your angels allowing that information to come through that. And it's yeah. co- because so, it's so I personal. Mean, I would say, I would say it's, it's spirit. You know, I'm calling, I'm calling on because I'm also a teacher of A Course in Miracles. I I call it Holy Spirit. And I'm just asking to be a channel of of Holy Spirit to to connect and to be what, you know, to give you what you need to know today. Oh, that's so beautiful. Here's something I really want to understand. There are hundreds of tarot decks you talked about in your book that you had over a hundred. Oh, even thousands. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, there's a thousands. You, it, it seemed like uh, in your book that you had your clients choose from eight different ones and kind of yeah. go with what they felt. How does that work with the ingrown kind of baked in symbolism to have these cards made by different artists in different ways? Do they, do, do they adhere to kind of a template or so, is it just kind of wild West vibes? Yeah. The cards <laughs> that I use for my clients do adhere to the rider weight format, at least mostly. Okay. And that means that if I look at, you know, the the seven of wands, say, you know, just to pick a random card, it's going to have basically the same elements d- despite which card, which deck we're looking at. Okay. So it may be drawn differently and one may have fairies and one may have dragons and one may, you know, the seven of wands typically is a guy and he looks like he's sort of working in the field and there are all these wands sort of shooting up at him. And it's like kind of the things he has to handle and beat back, you know? Um, and, and we can have our different ways of expressing that. Um, but it, it still will have all those elements uh, for me to know what the card is. And, um, and then we, you can get some really way out tarot decks that just have complete other conceptions and even, even add cards that aren't in the traditional 78 deck or 78 card format. Um, I tend not, I may have some of those just as collectibles, but I don't use those with my clients. But do they have value? Let's say somebody gets a random tarot deck that's not based on the universal weight. Is that correct? I say that correctly. Uh-huh. Yeah, the universal yeah. weight deck. It's just like you said, random art, perhaps added cards, but they do a reading. Is that information valid? Is it still divination or is it the symbolism, the other aspects of the design that make it function? Oh, it's valid. I mean, if you know if, if tarot is sort of a part of you, like, like it is with me, if you've learned what all the numbers mean in all the suits, and if you've learned who these characters are and what they represent, you can read from a regular deck of playing cards. Um, the playing cards would not have the major arcana with those kind of key figures like the hermit and the lovers and the death card. It doesn't have that, but it does have the minor arcana, the day-to-day stuff, because those minor arcana cards 
all align with um, just a, a regular deck of playing cards. We've got, you know, the the ranks of one through 10 and then the, the court cards. And, uh, and so it fits nicely. Interesting. So the major arcana, which is 22 cards, is what you outline in the book. The minor arcana, mm-hmm. I believe, is it 48 cards? Um, the, no, 22 cards and 56. 56. Yeah, and okay. So, so you put it together and it's a 78 card deck. Okay. Okay. And then that aspect is more minutia right? Like the, ma- the major yeah. arcana is like the big archetypal kind of movements in your life and forces. But then the minor is like the really deep kind of nitty gritty. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, so the, the minor arcana is going to be your, your day-to-day stuff, you know, um, that's going to show up if you have a question about, oh, you know, maybe making a taking a vacation next month or, or, uh, you know, have an issue with a friend maybe, but the major arcana are those life-changing issues. They're marriages, divorces, babies being born, graduations, retirements, um, you know, these kind of huge things. And they're also central figures in our lives, like mothers, fathers, um, the wise men, the, the warriors, the, you know, things like that. Interesting. Interesting. So I guess I should just ask you this right now. You have okay. another book coming, right? On the minor arcana. I do. Yes. Um, oh, oh, on, on the minor arcana. So that's funny. You asked that. I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of putting one together loosely. I mean, I, I haven't you had should. a lot of time, but yeah, a, a lo- enough people have been asking me about this and I have some really good stories that didn't make this book uh, that have happened since I started ah. writing Tarot Life Lessons. So, so yeah, I'm thinking about a sequel here. Awesome, because let me tell you, people, this is what makes this book really special is the fact that she wove with anonymity. She wove in her client stories and her own personal outlook into how she defined each one of those cards. So you get this like, real world application and how it functions. And a lot of the times you get the results. Sometimes, you know, they take the advice, they don't, you know, so it's like it goes different directions, but that's what makes it special because a lot of these times you read these books, they can be a little dry. But your book yeah. is like actually entertaining. It's like really cool Thank in that you. way. Thank you. I I've never seen a book like I wrote here. Um, you know, tarot books tend to be uh, how-to books. They tend exactly. to be like this card means this and that card means that, and that's the end of it. And um, and I I'd never seen one showing as as you said like a real world application and and how the people will respond to the cards with me and even challenge me on the cards. And, and as a tarot card reader, I think you'll get my story that, you know, I like to say I'm not a guru and I'm not sitting on top of this mountain professing all of my wisdom and just like, you know, I'm a very human person who has some insecurities and some anger towards some of these people. And, and uh, sometimes I'm intimidated. Sometimes I'm fearful of them. Uh, you, you'll see the gamut of what it's like to be a professional tarot card reader. And it's an incredible book. Like I said, because of those stories that really brings out the essence of each card, which is so cool, which is why I was feeling it. I was like, man, I'm ready for the next minor arcana aspect. So (laughs) for P 
people that are kind of like really new to this thing, like we talked about earlier, this book would also be fantastic because it does give people not only an in-depth description, it gives people the general understanding as well, because that's another right. thing. A lot of these books can just be written for the people that have been studying this for decades. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, the whole reason I wrote this book, it, it came out of my journal entries because, um, and in fact, my working title was called the tarot diaries. And so it was about, you know, I just wanted to remember some of these amazing readings that I'd had that rocked me for whatever reason, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so I journaled them. And so right after I would, I would t give them, I, I would come home and it would be fresh in my mind. And I would, I knew what cards and, and I could remember how people felt and reacted and, and how they might've looked and, and, you know, and, and, and I'm a creative writer also. I, I have a, uh, an MFA in poetry and fiction. And so I, I tried to set the scene and, and make it, you know, so you're there. And so you can really see it and feel it with me. Wow. I'm just going to give you one more compliment until the end that I'm going to give you more compliments. It was one of those <laughs> books that you just like, you know, I like you, it's a page turner. <laughs> Look, it's a page turner. You're just like, Oh my God, you're like engrossed in it. It's, it's engrossing, I guess is the best way to put it. Thank but you. but then, let's just move on here. Let's talk a little bit more archetypes. You talked about Carl Jung. He saw tarot archetypes and you feel like this method has been with us since time immemorial. Can you talk about that a little oh, bit? Oh yeah. Well, you know, so, I mean, that goes back to what I said before, that every culture has the wise men and the lovers and the mothers and the fathers. And, and, and so th these are our archetypes. Every culture knows death. Every culture um, usually has some sort of symbol for rebirth or resurrection and, uh, and, and self-actualization. Um, we have symbols for evil and we have symbols for um, the things of the world that we're striving to accumulate and, and master. Um, we have symbols for our, our uh, youngsters, our sort of upstart teenagers who are maybe a little full of themselves. That would be the magician card. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we've got, um, we've got all of these elements that have always been for as long as humanity has existed and um, and so tarot just tries to capture that and give it and, a language, uh, you could say, and give it a language. And Jung saw it, and so Jung used it with his patients. And uh, and and you know what's so interesting is even uh, artists and philosophers like like William Blake in um, in England. And gosh, I forget what century he was, but um, he basically intuited the tarot. And I have a beautiful tarot deck that they call the William Blake Tarot, where he designed his own system before it came to England, but he got it. He got all the elements there. Now it's slightly different, um, but he nailed it. I mean, wow. he saw that sort of, you know, that, that Kabbalistic tree. Um, this is sort of all of the stations of life. And, and it's something that people know intuitively and it has spanned many cultures. And so, you know, you'll see in the native American, uh, traditions, the, the tree of life, you know, which is very similar to the, the Kabbalah, Kabbalah tree. And, and, um, and, and there's, uh, the Norse have their version of, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like Yidrasil or something like right. that, the, the Nordic tree. And, um, and, and it's, it's across 
all the world and all of these different time periods and all of these very diverse people, and they know the same truths. And, um, and tarot just mirrors all of this. So it's really beautiful and really fascinating. Oh, it's powerful. And people that have religious issues with it, maybe we should just make a Christian deck. There's probably a Christian deck, a Jewish deck, oh, a Muslim well, you know, deck. Um, <laughs> this, this Rider Weight Universal Weight deck is Christian in many of its elements. And in fact, I, uh, I had a friend, a client friend, who was, uh, this kind of funny, a Pentecostal minister, um, which they're not supposed to mess with tarot. Exactly. Uh, but he but he sat down with me and he saw all these Bible stories and he was just telling me, oh, look, this is this scene and this is this scene. And that was over my head. I didn't know that. And um, and I, I uh. hope he writes a book or at least a paper on that, because I'd like to learn that. <laughs> but, you know, there's so much wisdom in this deck of cards. Yes. And every religion has their mystical strain. There's Christian mm-hmm. mysticism. There's Jewish mysticism. Like you're talking about Kabbalah. Jesus himself seems like he was like some magical dude that like lived in Egypt oh, yeah. and, and studied at yeah. mystery schools. Totally like, self-actualized. A, a Buddha. Absolutely. Yes. A, oh. a Zen Buddha. Yeah. He was one of us. I feel like, like he, he was just oh, yeah. like kind of out of time a little bit, like a man out of time. You know, the the best series that really shows that and his disciples, if, if you haven't seen The Chosen yet, I highly recommend it. Oh, it's um it's on um it's on a special, I think they call it the Angel Network or something. But look up the Chosen. Um, so good. And really like a down-to-earth, real human Jesus and disciples, and you see the the problems the disciples had with each other and the egos and the it's, it's brilliant. It's really well done. Oh, wow. I'll have to check that out. And listeners, if you have not checked that out, let's check out the chosen together. I have a yeah, big problem. I have a big problem with how Mary kind of got schluffed to the side, not the mother, but the disciple, the true disciple yeah. who actually got all the secret teachings. We could do a whole podcast episode on that, <laughs> but it just, yeah. it irks me a little bit because there's like this jealousy vibe that like carried over centuries they're like oh she was just more this, prevalent she was just this yeah. person over here she's a prostitute right. just don't even look at her she's, <laughs> she's she's more of a main character in the chosen oh, and cool. they don't go they don't go so far as to say they were lovers but it could be maybe guessed at i think you know? so i mean i think so yeah. we can talk about the merovingian bloodline there's so many different things i yeah, think so yeah. because uh, you know because people activate the christ consciousness we activate yeah. the christ consciousness that's what tarot and other mystical teachings try to do because it's a path to enlightenment would you say that tarot helps to activate enlightenment when you have these oh, experiences absolutely absolutely yeah you know i'm showing them what their path is, where they're going, giving them keys and information, you know, real world tools to change things if they don't like it, Um, you know, focus on what's good and what to build. And uh, yeah. And, and if that's not enlightenment, I mean, you know, making, (laughs) making your life better and, and being more powerful. It's a feeling it's an awareness. I believe. I think that when you get there, the love 
the Christ consciousness is kind of where it's at. Yes, the enlightenment. That's what we want to do. We want to move forward. If you're getting good information that's helping you move forward, that's why I don't understand why these people have problems with this. But it is being more accepted generally. I think people have problems with terms like Christ consciousness because they are not understanding that we're not talking about traditional Christianity. And, and what I like to tell my clients that, that I've come to learn is this whole concept of the Trinity. All the Trinity is, is body, mind, spirit. And the body is the Christ and the mind is God and the spirit is, you know, this thing that connects us. And we have to have all three parts that the alchemist knows this. The alchemist works on three different levels with with the practical alchemy, which is, you know, turning lead to gold. And then um, the emotional alchemy of of healing oneself and, and reaching your your highest potential as a person in the world. And then the spiritual alchemy of becoming one with the God self. And, you know, that's the Trinity as well. So people are, people are afraid that it's going to be like hammering them over the head with traditional sort of gospel Christianity, um, maybe what they grew up with. And self-actualization, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, Christ consciousness um, it's reaching your highest potential and finding the God in you and becoming one with that and doing something, hopefully, that you can help heal the world. Yes. And so, so that's where we're all Christ. Yes. It's, it's, it's inside all of us, that divine spark, that, that, that breath of life, that is the Christ consciousness. What we're talking about is just getting in resonance with the divinity that's inside of every living being, including you and us and everyone. Yeah. Well, what you that's do, right. what you do obviously takes a lot of energy. And in your book, you talked about shielding, but I wanted you to elaborate on this a little bit more. How do you protect yourself energetically? Well, as I'm older now, you know, I just turned 60. What? And as, yeah. Oh my God. So, like what? Well, well, if you do the math, if I've been doing this for 45 years. <laughs> Look, then, I want to know your diet regimen. <laughs> I want to know the supplements you're taking. Oh my God. Really? Well, you know, the, the spiritual life keeps me young. There you go. <laughs> and, and some clean living too. I, I'm uh I do take care of my body, you know, and I, I work out and I, I don't drink and I don't I don't smoke and, and all of that. But but um, where was I going with that? Uh, how do you protect your track. how do you protect yourself oh, energetically? What are some of the right. techniques you do? Right. So um, what I've learned. OK, yeah, that's why I started to say as I get older. <laughs> Um, is I don't put myself in some of the situations that I used to. Um, like, you know, I have a story about working in the Renaissance Fair in St. Louis and the the very crazy, diverse energy that comes at me. And some of it was beautiful. I mean, some of these people um, continue to be my clients today that met me at one of the Renaissance Fair gigs. But um, but some of it's kind of dark and some of it, you know, sometimes you get these sort of miserable people or people who are um, expecting me to be more on the witchy demonic side, you know, and they think that's really cool. Uh, there's a story about that. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I would find myself getting 
very physically exhausted from um, events like that. Uh, I have a story about a wedding. And, you know, the interesting thing about working wedding receptions is they make me sick. And I mean this in the vomiting kind of way. Um, Almost every wedding I've worked, maybe every wedding I've worked, I will have to pull over on the way home and throw up. And it is because you've got you got to move people through fast and you've got really diverse energy. And at a wedding, you think, okay, so people are happy for the couple, but there's always going to be like the people, everyone's looking at their own stuff. So there are the people like, Mm, wonder how long they're going to last. And then there are the people who are like, I wish my mother could be here to see this, you know? And, and then there's people who are are jealous or who people who are, you know, um, maybe having a fight with their own spouse and, and you know, really scared about their own marriage. And, and, and so there's all this crazy, crazy stuff that comes at me and it's boom, boom, boom. And I have to kind of cycle them through fast. And, um, and it's hard. I bet. (laughs) Physically. Yeah. Well, what do you do? I mean, do you, do you call in white light? Do you do certain herbs? Like what are some of the I still didn't answer your question. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. No, this is perfect. I, I, I pray, um, I pray before every person and, and I didn't used to do that. And, um, and I do ask, you know, kind of just for spirit to, to cleanse me and protect me. Um, usually before I start, I usually have, you know, before I do a party or something, I'll go early and I'll sit in my car for 15 minutes, like maybe a block down from where the house is, because I don't want them to see me sitting out there because then they always invite me in and (laughs) I don't want that. And I want to just, you know, do my deep breaths and get in my meditative place and get really grounded. And, um, and that protects me and that helps me, um, because otherwise I'll just be too frazzled and, and that's just not good for anybody. Huh. Um, especially me. <laughs> right. Cause you're not just dealing with people's spiritual energy in their path. You're also dealing with their emotional energy and the other energies right. in, that are in resonance with you as you're like their, their spiritual counselor slash shaman slash all of these right. things. But, but some things I don't do anymore. Like I, I don't do the Renaissance fair anymore and I don't do high school lock-ins anymore. Um, to start an event at midnight and go till, you know, 4.30 in the morning, that's insane for my body. And I feel like a train hit me for two days after that. So, um, so you can leave that to the young whippersnappers. <laughs> I'm not interested. <laughs> right. But you've been doing it for so long professionally since 2007, yeah. but fully immersed for over 45 years. Tell me about some of the readings. Have you ever had a situation that you didn't want to tell the person what was going to happen. Like they're going to get murdered. There's a death in the family. Like, Oh my God, you're reading something, but you're like, I can't like, how do you deal with that? The first, first off, um, I will not see anything that a person isn't supposed to know. And no one is supposed to know when they're going to die. So I, I think if a if a tarot card reader, you know, puts down that death card, you know, you see it in the Hollywood movies all the time and they cast a bony finger and they say, you're going to die tomorrow, you know, and that's garbage. Of course, and no responsible tarot card reader will do any such thing. Uh, but uh, my friend Tony over at News Talk STL, where my um, podcast um, has been, um 
he has a funny story where I um, was reading for him on a radio show. I was brought in as a guest on, on his radio program and I saw him having some sort of separation or leaving. And I, and I said, don't worry, not talking about your, your marriage. This isn't that. Uh, And then I also saw one of his children going to the hospital in the near future. And, And I was like, it'll be fine, but this, this is coming up. Well, both of those things happened. And, and, you know, and he's always like, Oh my God, when you said the separation or the leaving, he goes, I nearly fell over because, um, he was getting ready to quit that radio show to go on, on a different station. And I saw it and I said it on the show that he was <laughs> quitting, but nobody knew it yet. And, and he was like, he tells me, he's like, shut up, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> he's like sweating, Paul. It's like, ah, nothing to see here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, and then he said, sure enough, his his daughter, Maggie, ended up in the ER with some kind of injury, <laughs> like, oh. you know, within a month. But she was fine. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, stuff does come up. So usually I say it um, because it's important information for them to, you know, maybe prepare or plan for something. Um, you know, I, I think if you're only giving good news uh, you know, tarot's a heads up and that's valuable and you would want to know the bad news so you could prepare for it. Um, I've been doing a lot of readings this time of the year for the 2024. You know, people want to see the new year in advance and everyone seems to be looking at, you know, at least kind of not spending too much this year. Um, because money looks bad overall. I think this is a pretty bad economy for the next couple of years. And I say that not because I'm looking at the economy's fortune, because I I can't do that because the economy is not a human being that I can connect with, but I'm seeing how all of my clients are being affected by the economy in this next couple of years. And it looks like it sucks. So um, heads up on that, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds Um, me of Young's stream analysis, how he would see things come up with his clients. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it, it doesn't look like a good time to buy a house. It doesn't look like a good time really for any major purchase. Um, uh, I think interest rates are going to probably be really high for a long time. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of social and political unrest for a good long time yet. You know, I don't think it takes a fortune teller to tell you that, um, (laughs) but, but the cards are reflecting it. Ah, That's what you're seeing in your clients coming up from their unconscious and their spirit guides, the energy that you're getting. Wow. Just how to prepare. Yeah. I'll go ahead. I always say, I think the serenity prayer is so important. And for anyone who doesn't know it, it's, it's God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And I really just, I probably tell some clients that every day because this world stuff is out of our hands and you and I are probably going to be able to do little to nothing to affect Israel and Gaza or Ukraine or COVID or the election or any number of nightmares that we've got going on right now. But what we can do is work in our little circle and everyone we talk to and we touch 
and we communicate with, we can be a source of love and light to them. So, you know, when I when before I even put my feet on the ground in the morning, that's what I ask spirit to let me be for everyone I talk to. And so, you know, so you're a gift to me today, Jake, because you. your listeners are are getting that out further and we're just spreading love and light in a very dark time. Yes, it's interesting. I was on a different podcast. I was actually a guest on someone else's podcast this morning, and we were talking about that same thing. You only have complete control over yourself. So if you get yourself in tune, in sync with God and, and love and all of those things, that's what you have an effect on your inner circle. Right. Be the Jesus figure of your own life, the Buddha figure, be that person, just emanate love and light in your world the best that you can, because these forces are out of our hands, yet they can cause us so much anxiety and fear and all of those things. And all that does is just close us off energetically and we're in lower mm -hmm. brain function and, and we're sure. not even critically thinking. And then all of a sudden, you know, the world's not what we want, but we can stop yeah. that. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. Do you have your own tarot deck that you're designing? Um, yeah. So in fact I do. Um, I'm not even close to having it done. I'm not an artist and I'm, I'm looking for the right artist. And so oh. if any of your listeners are out there, um, I'm actually designing a yoga tarot deck Whoa. Uh, be because I, I practice hot yoga specifically. And in the hot yoga sequence, I am always so aware that different poses feel like certain tarot cards to me. And so I've been writing the book part of that and I have the concept of each card and what the pose is on each card, but I need an artist. So we'll see mm. if, uh, and if this, brings anybody up. <laughs> well, I would also just recommend checking out Deviant Art. It's a website wh that hosts thousands and thousands of artists from around the world and you can look at their portfolios and you can oh, cool. find people that might resonate with you because it seems yeah. like you have that energy. I was picking up on that. I knew you were working on uh -huh. something in that realm because you have this understanding. You know how to do it right. I have a feeling. Fun. Yeah, I, I think I do. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just that I'm not an artist, darn it. Um, I, I can doodle. I, I, I used to be able to draw pretty well as a teenager, but, you know, I ha it hasn't I haven't kept it up. And certainly with technology today, you can do so much with art that. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. I don't even know how to Photoshop, you know? So. <laughs> All you have to do is set up an attractive force. Just ask and you will receive. I have a feeling you know yeah. this, but I, I'll, I'll just remind you because you're so nice to me. You've been so great. I will tell you, you'll get it. Whatever you want, just ask. You'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I want to point out though, is you have these readings. They're coming from the higher self and these angelics and other beings that are there to help you, but they're not always set in stone, right? Can you tell me about mm -hmm. that? They're more of a suggestion. You could say, how would you classify that if it's not exactly as yeah. you, per, you know, concrete so all the time? Our, our lives are dynamic. And I, I like to say, like, imagine an oriental rug Okay. And it has all the different flower designs around it, say, right? And they're all somewhat similar in shape and size. And they're, and they're maybe circling, you know, the perimeter of the rug. And now imagine you're a little ant and you're crawling along in, in your design, but you can't see the whole design. 
And you certainly can't see how it's laid out in the in the big rug. You can only see, oh, I'm in red. I'm in red. Oh, look, there's some green. There's some green. But 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 you don't get that whole picture. Right. And so what I like to think is that that's where, you know, all time is happening at once. This is what Einstein said. And, you know, it's very time is a human measurement that we have. But but it's all going on at one time. And so I like to think that all those different flowers are different life choices. And so maybe this is if you married this person and this is if you married that person and this is if you had this career and this is if you had that career. And it kind of depends on where you crawl, which one you go to. And um, and, and so I think we can change our paths. Um, uh, I'm showing you where you're headed. Oh my goodness. And if you stay on that track, if it's a good thing, maybe you want to stay on that track. Yeah, but exactly. The reading isn't exactly uh, as positive as you thought. You might want to change some of the things, and you have the power to do this now because this right. information is coming from outside of time, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. But intuition, though, intuition is like this huge part of it. So, how uh-huh. did you? hone your intuition over time because i'm sure when you were first learning when you were first getting into tarot it was probably like well like there was a learning curve there was a process oh yeah yeah i mean when i was a teenager i had my little booklet you know that came with the tarot cards and uh they call it the lwb the little white book and um and and I actually think that that was a great way to first learn because it just gives you like a few random words about what each card means. It has no room for explanation. And so I think that learning that really memorizing that, which I did was the first step into my intuition because so I had, okay, uh, three of cups can mean joy, feasting. Um, but what beyond that, you know? And, uh, and and so I had to lean into my own natural intuition to kind of fill it out a little bit, you know, and not just say joy, feasting. Um, when, uh, as I got older and I would start to do some of these uh, readings for people in, in public spaces, I had a number of events where I would, get the intuitive hit. And for me, it's kind of almost audible. Like I hear a voice in my head. So someone would sit down. I remember clearly this man sat down at my table. I was in um, Soulard, uh, the Soulard market area in, in Old Town St. Louis here. And, uh, and I was in the park and I had my table and this guy sits down and he's got shades on and kind of husky built and clean cut. And, uh, and I put the justice card down as his, as his core card. And in my head, I hear he's a cop. And, but I didn't say that because, you know, I think the biggest enemy of intuition is ego and it's being afraid to be wrong. And so I danced around it and I said, well, your core card here is justice. And he says, I'm a cop. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, you know, and then, And then I had a woman sit down and I see her surrounded by page cards, which tend to be children. And she was showing up in this uh, high priestess kind of professorial sort of role. And so like teacher, you know, that's what's what I heard in my head. 
Um, but I didn't say it right away. I just told her what I saw. And she says, I'm a teacher. And then, you know, and, and this happened enough times that I started to get irritated with myself. Like, just say it, you know, if, if it comes to me, I've learned to just trust it. And nine times out of 10, I'm right. And that one time I usually find sometimes people argue with me or sometimes people say, oh, I don't think so or whatever. But they'll come back and they'll tell me I was right later you know, oh, for, for whatever reason. So it's just um, I learned to trust the inner voice. Wow. So it's just feeling those intuitive hits as you describe them. And then as it kept happening, you could correlate the feeling with the data you were receiving to the point where it became natural. Like the hits yeah. come and you didn't question it because it was so distinct. It was like a frequency. It was like, like you said, like a yeah. voice that you felt, yeah. but it was like, you took yeah. you a minute to get used to it. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a word for that inner voice. And, and I see people talk all the time about, um, there's apparently like a large number of the population that does not have it. I heard that recently uh, as well. I think that's mind blowing. Yeah. I forget, I forget what the term is. I can't imagine. I mean, to me, I'd feel like dead inside or something, you know, but, um, but yeah, my inner voice talks to me all the time and I talk to it. (laughs) Right. We all have an inner dialogue. I I mean, that's part of our psychological, healthy psychological experience though. Like you said, some people don't have that. Maybe they're listening to music all the time to like fill the void. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's incredible that this exists because it is a tool coming from prehistory, let's say, coming from a different reality and earlier humanity and earlier earth, but yet it's still here helping us because it's based on universal laws, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole Kabbalah system which, as I said, the tarot is, is kind of rooted in the Kabbalah tree of life. And, and, and you know, Kabbalah is, is best explained as like the faces of God. And so there are all these many, many faces of God. And some of, our, some of them are found in mythology. And some of them are found in astronomy and astrology. And some of them are found in alchemy and numerology and you know all of these kind of what what the world would call pseudosciences uh, but they all have these kernels of truth and they're all essentially structured in a similar way and this similar way is a kabbalistic structure and so kabbalah is sort of the umbrella over all of it and and we all have our sort of favorite angles of Kabbalah are a favorite face. So mine, of course, is tarot. Uh, but uh, but tarot embraces the alchemy and the numerology and the mythology and the astrology and, and a lot of the others. Oh, absolutely. And in your book, you said the tree of life is a blueprint for how the universe works and the tarot is the structure to reflect it. Whoa, yeah. that's huge. Do Kabbalists, people that are very into Kabbalah, do they use tarot a lot? Is this like a, a big component of Kabbalah or is it very fringe? Uh, you know, um, I think it's like I said, it's sort of what you're into. So, okay. so a diehard Kabbalist, you know, I before I wrote my first book, which was uh, Decoding, uh, I'm sorry, Fixed Stars Govern a Life, Decoding Sylvia Plath. And um and when I when I first was putting that together, I sat down with a rabbi 
here in town, Jim Goodman, and talked about Kabbalah. And, um, you know, I think he had a mild interest in tarot. He's a Kabbalah expert, but he's not a tarot expert. Um, So, you know, we all have kind of our avenues that we that we do our thing Um, for him. He was into the the Hebraic magic of the language in Kabbalah, because that's a whole thing. And some tarot decks have Hebrew on them as well, um, because the the Hebrew language is very mystical all by itself. And um, gosh, I I would love to study it one day. And I I kind of regret my my first husband was Jewish and they were really pushing me at the time to become Jewish. And I I wish I had now (laughs) just so just so I could have studied Hebrew a little more easily. But um, but I never got to it. And um, and I don't know, you know, I'm not sure that's the truth of me anyway. And uh, and my rabbi friend said that uh, that most Jews are not Kabbalists. <laughs> so you know, it's uh, it's kind of its own mystical order. You know, yes, it is of like fringe mystic kind of vibes, but high frequency information. Oh yeah, which yeah. is really cool. But you're feeling like though that tarot really brings this energy into form. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on that? Well, you know, um, it's consciousness and. I guess what makes me a different kind of tarot card reader from the average person, uh, first of all, my age, you know, being 60 and I've been still blowing me away. Sorry to interrupt you. Still blowing me away because I'm actually looking at you right now and you, you look like I'm thinking 45, 40. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Thank you. No, I love it. Um, I think on this long journey I've had, you know, I've, I've studied Buddhism to a great deal. And I'm in a regular Buddhist wisdom group every month, or I'm sorry, every week. And, uh, and I lead a, a workshop every week on in a course in miracles. So I have that. And I've read the Tao and I've just, you know, studied a lot of, of religions over my time. I used to teach in um, Lindenwood University and I taught humanities and it was a great joy to me to learn about all the religions and the, the commonalities and everything we share versus how different we all are. You know, um, I really hate that whole diversity thing because I'm all about oneness, you know, and we're all light beings. Commonality. Look, we're light beings in physical bodies. When we realize right. that we're all living light, regardless of age, gender, ancestry, anything, right. that's when we activate the new earth. We're living yeah. light. This is just a vehicle. People get caught up in yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I don't really understand what the world's doing right now, but um, but I'm I'm about that. I'm about oneness. And so my tarot readings, I mean, they they incorporate my background as a young girl in the Episcopal Church. Um, they incorporate, um, you know, everything I've read and studied. And, uh, and I have to say that my scholarship in the poet Sylvia Plath, I should say poet and writer, um, is uh, has made me a much better tarot card reader because I didn't even know what Kabbalah was until I got into that. And I really hadn't studied anything about alchemy before uh, the Plath work. And um, she and her husband, Ted Hughes, were deeply into all of this stuff. They were they were mystics of the highest order. And, um, you know, Madame Blavatsky and the theosophical religions and teachings and all of this stuff was so new to me 
um, until the plath work, you know, I might've had, I might've, you know, I'd heard of like Alistair Crowley and people like that, but, but to, um, to really get immersed in the text and, and understand. And so all of these teachings over literal decades, you know, really six decades, um, is I, I see a lot of the teachings embodied in the tarot cards that I read. And so when I'm talking to a client and a problem is coming up, there's my answer that I can give them. So I can, I can give them actual tools. And I know that makes me different. Um, the average tarot card reader is probably half my age and using a guidebook and, you know, maybe, maybe a little intuitive, you know, um, but, but I have the wisdom of the ages, you know, <laughs> literally my age and, um, and, and a lot of diverse sources. And I, I really think that that um, has really, you know, fed and sustained, you know, my career. Um, uh, certainly, as I said, the plath work has made me a better tarot card reader and um, just, and just wiser and, and more educated. Oh, absolutely. You need that information because you're interpreting information that includes all of those aspects. So if you're not learned in those subjects, you're kind of right. doing your client a disservice. If you're a tarot card reader and you're just getting into this and you're on a path of learning, growing acceleration, you're on the right track. But if you just kind of have, like you said, a guidebook and yeah, yeah that, that's the I'm end of it. It doesn't I'm really help the client. I'm still not an astrologer. I, I, Astrology, I, I, I'm amused by it and I like to read, you know, people do my natal charts and they tell me, you know, that my sun's in this or my moon's in that and, and I can kind of see it and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like to look at a chart to me, it looks too much like math, you know, and <laughs> I just, it's just not my thing. So I, I think we all have a thing that speaks to us. Oh, absolutely. I think you're doing a fantastic job. And the people, I'm sure, love you. People seek you out. They find you, they read the reviews, and then they seek you out and they love you. You have an incredible reputation, which is huge. Do you feel like doing this strengthened your psychic abilities? Like like maybe you were like oh, saying yeah. like a little intuitive, but now over the decades you've got it like dialed in a little it's bit? It's like anything. I mean, it's exer with exercise, you, you get stronger. Right, you know? right. So, yeah. And uh, body, mind, spirit. Right. I, uh, I I definitely am at the peak of my abilities in my career, um, you know, but I'd like to think in another 10 years, I'll be saying that again. Uh, <laughs> and just keep getting wiser. Right. Absolutely. Well, we've had such an incredible interview there. there oh, there's so much that we could talk about, but we have talked about so much that you, you just have to come back on. We'll check in with you and watch your growth process. Um, I do <laughs> want to tell people where to find you. So right away, yeah. the website, Julia Gordon Bramer.com. So that's J U L I A G O R D O N B R A M E R Julia Gordon Bramer.com. You can start there. And she has this yes. book, which if you want to know about tarot, and you've never taken a deep dive, get this book. If you know a little bit about tarot and you want to learn more, get this book. If you feel like you know a lot about tarot, guess what? Get this book because you're going to be entertained by it. It's amazing. It's going to give you affirmations. It's a really fantastically constructed book. And guess what, people? On top of the book, we're not even going to talk about the other books yet, but 
She does readings herself that you can book one-on-one sessions. So if you go to the website, you're feeling this interview, you're like, oh my God, this lady's amazing. Kind of what I'm feeling, definitely what I'm feeling. You go to the website, you can book a one-on-one session. Do you still do events? It looks like you can book events. Yeah. Yeah. If you want me for an event, you know, send me, send me an email. I will fly all over the country. Um, you know, uh, if we're talking, if we're talking about a trip, you know, outside of the St. Louis area, um, you know, you'd have to pay for my travel and expenses and, and you'd be talking about $2,000 a day, you know, but you're there, but you're there, Um, but yeah, but I'm, I'm there and I'm fully yours for that whole day. Um, if, uh, if you want to just book a session with me online, uh, you know, do a, a FaceTime or a zoom, uh, or, or even just a phone call. Some people like the privacy of just phone calls. Some people don't, don't want to see me for whatever reason. Um, uh, but, uh, I can do all of that $3 a minute. Ah. Uh, I have some people who are very, very private who like email readings and I have some regular email reading wow. clients and you say like, well, how does that work? Yeah, exactly. And That's I what have, I was thinking. I have to kind of <laughs> find my way through it. But um, generally what I do is I say, write down all your questions to me and I'll figure out what it will cost for me to put the cards down, to give you an answer and type it all back. So um, I am a fast typist because I'm a writer, but um, but it would be probably slightly more expensive than if you were to call me up and do it. And essentially, it sounds like that's like a rarity. It's for the people that really want to be anonymous. They, yeah, they don't want to have that get, exchange. I get one a week, maybe, you know, wow. uh, an email rating a week. Yeah. Interesting. But that's, again, the best part. Anyone from all over the world can right, do a reading with right. you at any time. I use WhatsApp for my international calls. Um, that's really good for the international ones. And um, and uh, WhatsApp seems to connect better than, than some of the other apps. Um, the time zones can be tricky. And that's going to be an important thing, depending on where your listeners are, if they want to set something up with me. Um, I am central time in the U.S. And uh, uh, figure out, you know, be sure to tell me what your time is. And we have to get in sync there, but, uh, but there you yeah. are for those people. You do all those things. You get in Absolutely. sync, you, you email, you figure it out. You can do a reading, which I think is super cool. I'm, I, I'm going to do a reading people. I'm going to do a reading. I've been needing to do a tarot reading for a really long time Been looking for the right person. I, I have found the right person. I'm going to just going to announce awesome. that to 179 countries, the tens of thousands of thousands of people that are listening every week. I'm just going to announce that to those people. Right? <laughs> and we had so much fun. Look, this has been a great conversation. You have other books, tarot life lessons, living wisdom from the major arcana is what we talked about today. She has the occult Sylvia Plath, the hidden spiritual life of the visionary poet decoding Sylvia Plath's lady Lazarus freedoms, feminine fire decoding Sylvia Plath's daddy discovering the layers of meaning beyond the brutes. Again, the one-on-one sessions and then fixed stars govern a life decoding Sylvia Plath. And you do have some episodes recorded of a show called mystic fix, which is out there available as well. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Fixed Stars Govern a Life Decoding Sylvia Plath was my first book. That is out of print now, but if anyone wants to see a PDF, they can write me and I can give them a PDF for $5, So, wow. which is a bargain because if you look at how much uh, 
the the uh, dis- discontinued book is on Amazon. It's like eight hundred dollars oh. or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you're definitely but, helping uh, people with that information. We'll have to have a whole episode about Sylvia Plath once. I'm, I'm not. I'm super yeah. intrigued now because you wrote these Thank books you. and you talk about this in your most current book about how you have this connection with her. So, well, I want right. I want to learn about that next time you're on. Yeah, the occult Sylvia Plath is coming out in May. Oh, of right. This year. Yes, May of 2024. Yet. I'm recording the audiobook right now. Um, there is an audiobook of Tarot Life Lessons, which I also recorded. I, I think that's important to be in, in my voice, and that, that just feels good and right and true to me. And so, uh, so people who don't like to read, paper books anymore um that's a, an option that they can do is is the audiobook well i love audiobooks because i listen to or read every book that mm-hmm. uh my guests bring that come on and they can be very helpful at times I, i'm a yeah. big fan of audiobooks yeah yeah so if you're in the gym if you're driving if you're going for a walk it's a great way to get a little extra information, especially in the author's voice. And before we go yeah. though, you know, we've had this conversation. It's so cool. I really feel like we've enlightened people, but is there anything else that you would like to leave our audience with any thoughts or whatever you're feeling? Oh gosh. Um, you know, if this has been a real journey being a tarot card reader, I never quite set out to be a professional tarot card reader. And um, I'm not sure that there's one kind of way to be, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm different because I'm older and I incorporate all of this other knowledge, but that doesn't mean I'm slighting other readers. They might just have a really different way to do it. You know, um, I know a reader who's very astrology based in her tarot. Um, you know, I'm sure there are other readers with other angles. So um I, I like to stress I'm as human as the rest of us and I'm on my journey and I have my weaknesses and I have my challenges like anybody. Um, I do not want to put myself on a pillar like I am this guru uh, that has all the answers, um, but uh, I'm on the journey with you and we're going to stumble sometimes and uh, hopefully we're going to learn a whole lot and grow a whole lot and and do it together and be a source of light and love in a dark time. That's my goal. <laughs> that was beautiful. And that's the goal of this podcast as well, to bring people like yourself to our audience, because we are the ones that are anchoring this vibe that are going to help people get to that next place. All of this information, what we're talking about today, just how we live our lives as spiritual people, that is what gets us to that next place. So, wow. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it, Julia. Thank you, Jake. Great being here. Okay. Well, please hold through the outro music. And everyone, again, check out the book. You can get it on Amazon or wherever you get books. The website has everything. You can book one-on-one sessions, which I highly recommend. And we will see you next week. Midnight on Earth.